Are you looking to connect with a diverse audience of developers? Look no further. You can partner with us here at the Code Newbie Podcast, and we'll help get your message out to our incredible listeners in an ad just like this one, led by me, your host. Contact us by emailing sponsors at codenewbie.org. Welcome to the Code Newbie Podcast, where we talk to people on their coding journey in hopes of helping you on yours. I'm your host, Saran, and before we kick off the show, I want to tell you about our incredible sponsors. Today on the show, I'm so excited to have Jerome Hardaway, developer and founder of Vets Who Code. Thank you so much for your service. Jerome, you want to say hi? Hey, how you doing? Hey to all the Code Newbies, and thank you for having us on your show. So it's interesting how this interview happened because you originally reached out to be a sponsor on the show. And it wasn't until I think a few emails in that I realized that you're an awesome 501c3 nonprofit doing really great work. And I said, actually, you can take back your money. I would much rather spend an hour talking to you and hearing more about vets and coding and what that story looks like. So I'm really glad that you reached out and I'm really glad that we are making this happen. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, we were. It was very funny to us as well. We were like, "Wow, that's cool." And uh, literally, what we did was we had a company uh, that was. I, I don't want to say local. I'll say regional. And they were needing a sponsor to go to a startup conference in Charleston, South Carolina. So, and they were a veteran-owned company, media company. So, we just decided that we would sponsor a day of media with them because, like, we like. We like giving back to the community. We like working with other like veteran-owned uh, companies, veteran-operated companies, especially when in the like early startup scene. You're like less than two, three years old, and you're a veteran. We like to try to give back as much as we can. Nice. So let's start by having you tell us a little bit about Vets Who Code. What exactly is this organization? Roger that. Well, uh, Vets Who Code is five hundred one c three a nonprofit that does exactly what it says. We teach veterans how to program or vets how to code. And we do that using uh, 100% online. Our Slack channel uh, has two instructors in it, as well as our CDO, who's basically an incredible uh, design brand strategist. He used to work at Fortune, on a company that worked on Fortune 500 brands. Like He's done branding for uh, FedEx, he's done branding for uh, Rolls, uh, Rolls uh, Royce, some branding for a BMW. Like he, uh, he is a legend, and he's like I think two years older than me, so that says a lot. Um, and so, but that's what that's what we do. We we're in there, and every couple of every uh, few weeks, we pick ten up to ten people, anywhere from four to ten, who are veterans that we can give the most impact to. And we give them tools and 20 hours of instruction a week through our instructors to uh, learn how to code. And so they meet up with our instructors Monday through Thursday, two hours a day, and then um, two hours a night. And then they go from there and they learn how to program in full stack uh, development. While we are also looking in the communities that they are and build, making introductions through our network, through our board members. And uh, we're helping these guys get hired. And so far, we've helped 75 uh, people get hired. Uh, That's in pretty good. Software development. Thank you. Yeah. 
So is there a timeline for the program or do they just kind of keep learning at their own pace until they feel like they're ready to go find work? It's uh, it's a timeline, uh, but it's not like you get to stay in the community with us as long as like we're not uh, we don't take everybody in, but it's a quality versus quantity program. So once you're in, once you do your interviews and stuff, you're in and we focus on helping you grow forever. And it's just like we try to focus on getting you ready in 19 weeks. That's one of the reasons why we chose initially Ruby on Rails. And then that's also the reason why we moved into JavaScript. We always have a, uh, well, we, our company's built on uh, the Pragmatic Programmer and a book called Rework, which ironically yeah. is uh, uh, created by, was written by the guy who created Basecamp. He's like my spirit animal. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard of another human being referred to as a spirit animal. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, you know, he's awesome. Uh, so that's uh, what we base everything on. We base everything on uh, not just the just not just the market, but what languages have the most impact on our uh, on the students or troops. I prefer to call them troops, and uh, what they're able to do when they get out, as as well as the employers. And we felt like. Uh, Ruby was a really good language to uh, when it comes to learning because it's really forgiving. It's easier uh, syntax, uh, so you know you can make mistakes that won't break your app that you can't do in other languages. Uh, as well as the MVC and the uh, uh, software architecture when it uh, models, views, controllers uh, framework in regards to Ruby on Rails and the uh, architecture that comes with it. We were like, that would give you a lot of experience. And while doing that, you ended up learning uh, vanilla JavaScript to a degree when it comes to the front end, as well as jQuery. And you end up learning uh, Postgres and SQL Lite, SQL, uh, Lite 3, which, uh, for, which was SQL uh, for the new guys out there. It was basically working in databases. And that really helped them be, have a full stack and give them a understanding of everything. But we, um, this next class going on on August 1st is full JavaScript and we're really excited about it because uh, we've gotten it down to where it's like perfect and we're actually going to open source that on our GitHub just wow. so people can... The curriculum. Yeah, the curriculum. Uh, we're a nonprofit and in the we're a technology nonprofit. And in the end, we are supposed to like put good into the world. And I, what I feel like is my instructors are the best and we have the best tools um, out there and the best partners out there. So uh, we, can, we can do that. And if, if you wanna try to go on your own, by all means go. But just even having that out there will be able to give you, um, we're able to give impact. So that, that's all that matters. Like, you know, if, like, if you don't make the cut and you're still in the Slack channel, at least you know the curriculum, at least you can follow along. We, we make sure everything's open source and the things that aren't open source, we've gotten to the point, we've gotten in a uh, nice position to where our partners give them those tools to us for free. And we're able to pass those directly to the, uh, to the veteran. Uh, so that's, but that's what we do. We focus on, uh, we're gonna focus on full stack with uh, also with React as well. So our guys will have about anywhere from three to 10 projects. It's gonna be 19 weeks long as always, and uh, it's just gonna be fun. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of hard work, but it's gonna be fun. So there are lots of other nonprofits and organizations who are helping the vets and helping them come back to and adjust to civilian life. What 
was missing in those efforts that you felt needed to be addressed by Vetsucode? It's easier to handle a situation when it's small than handling a situation when it gets big. Uh, one of the things, I, I don't know if you if you saw this on like uh, LinkedIn or anything, but I started, like my first real job out of the military was in the nonprofit sector. So I've been in the nonprofit sector for anywhere from about four to five years. And my biggest issue with nonprofits, especially in the like term of uh, veteran nonprofits, is that the the tools that they were using were rather basic and they were all reactive based. So like when you get out the military as a veteran, the transition is like about two to five years. And especially, and depending on when you get out, like what time of the era, and like what time you're enlisting, like you're a four-year enlisted, you're a six-year enlisted versus an eight-year or a ten-year uh, commitment, it's significantly harder for the those who went four to six years versus those who did like ten years, uh, just simply because they're younger and they're considered less skilled and things of that nature. So what we know, what we decided was. Those are the guys you're going to focus on because there's no services in between them getting out and them like hitting like dire straits out there. There's nothing that stops that. Everything is like if you get homeless, then we'll help. If you mm-hmm. uh, go have like severe PTSD to where you can't get a job, then you'll get help. Uh, if you're not being able to get a job to the point where you can't pay your bills, then we get help. Well, so what we were looking at, we were like, the military is um, United States military is the world's greatest military because of the fact that we focus on a proactive approach. So, if we're going to focus on a proactive approach with like doing combat and like military services, we need to focus on a, um, a proactive approach in the nonprofit sector. And I, when I asked this, no one had a good answer on like why people didn't do that and what it comes down to really. Um, it's money, uh, input versus output. You can raise more money um, for those type of causes and the amount of money that you can, uh, that you have to spend to actually help a person get to a, what they consider baseline success is significantly smaller. So that just didn't sit right with me. And it was just like, okay, I got to fix this. So we like literally how we started was fixing a problem that no one would step in. So that's one of the things that I found most interesting because the program is 100% online. And as I'm sure you know, you know, going from veteran to a full stack developer now, being a developer is a very emotional journey. It's very stressful. It's hard. You're constantly feeling stupid. And when serving a veteran population, there's also just all of the emotional things that come with having that experience. And so how do you manage to provide that emotional support while being 100% online? Uh, it's just a, it's a process. You'll, and you'll get there with the rest of where we are. And we're, we're always still feeling stupid because that part of our bylaws, part of our um, articles of incorporation is that you have to consistently improve and do something uh, new. Like you have to learn a new language every year, even though you don't even, you might not ever use it. You still have to learn something new every year. So we all 
put our, to, you know, force us to get better. And it puts us in your position at least, you know, every year. So no one's ever not, we, everybody knows how you feel because everybody's going through it all the time. Uh, even myself, like uh, I started out a Ruby, uh, Ruby on Rails developer and then I, I fell in love with JavaScript, but I also do a lot of work in PHP and I had to um, learn PHP and I'm always learning something yet. Um, between PHP, JavaScript, and Ruby, and now I'm thinking about, you know what, I'm bored, let me learn Swift as well. Uh, you know, I'm always, I'm putting myself in uncomfortable positions all the time. We, I, I come from, because we come from a combat career field, it's very easy to tell these guys that the, uh, the only way you grow is through discomfort. So if you're, not, if you're comfortable, you're not growing. Right. And that's not a new lesson for them. Yeah. That's not a new lesson. So right. it's like, I mean, you remember the transition from civilian to uh, to being a member of the military. I was like, basic sucked. I was like, no matter, uh, <laughs> those are the best relationships you ever make in the military. But for those, uh, that time frame, it, it sucks. It's horrible. I'm like, all right, you know what? I love those guys, but I would never do that again. <laughs> so, like, no, like, that's, a, that's an experience that's literally once in a lifetime because you would never do it again uh, if someone gave you that opportunity. But it, at, at the end, you became something uh, that you came something better. You're part of a community that you understood and that you, and you, you know, you felt like you were going to contribute to the world. So why do we need a boot camp specifically for veterans? Why don't, I mean, there's so many other boot camps and online programs. Why do we need a specific one catered to them? Well, first and foremost, because veterans, uh, we learn, we're conditioned to learn differently. So our program is based upon that conditioning that they're already accustomed to. Uh, secondly, uh, our biggest issue is like, I, I'm not against a code school boot camp model at all, but I also know that those things, A, are expensive, B, are not always in the, like, are only in, like, the cool areas, uh, so, and C, <laughs> um, they're not really, they don't have a lot of, some of the boot camps, I'm not going to say all, but some of them don't have a lot of the uh, extended circumstance that we deal with every day baked in like uh for instance uh because we're in the we were in the military we think about things in a totally different we our program is based upon the lowest common denominator not the uh based upon the average person that comes into software development but based upon the, the person who is going to have a the, the hardest time breaking into software development so that's where we that's our focal point and we build upon that because I mean, as everyone knows, uh, di uh, the software industry has a very big uh, diversity issue and inclusion issue. And so we come from that automatically, like how are we going to approach it uh, from this point of view or this point of view? Because, you know, it's a lot easier to get a 24-year-old uh, Caucasian guy in uh, Washington, D.C. hired than it is to get a the same 24-year-old uh, African-American female who's uh, in Savannah, Georgia, at the same type of position. So that's what we that's how we look at it. We look at it from a diversity standpoint. What do we need to do to make it so that she can have the exact same level of success that he he can? 
And we are really proud that we're able to do that. Uh, funny story, because this is how Vets of Code started, was uh, we were, it was 2014, the summer of 2014, the entire uh, Department of Veteran Affairs was in a huge scandal. I don't know if you guys remember that or uh, at all, but uh, the VA was on the news every day based on this huge scandal how you know they were doing like little tricks to hide backlogs and things like that and somebody whistleblowed and so for the whole summer like they were just you know people were just dogging the VA. Well uh, due to a discrepancy on the VA's uh, point of view uh, side they put a bolo out for a young veteran and uh, that veteran ended up getting gunned down by the police in my local wow. area. And one of the things his mom said was that what makes matters worse to her, to him, was that all he really wanted was just the opportunity to get a job and the things that he was good at. And because because of the uh, the stigma with veterans and because that people don't understand the abilities that veterans have in training, he couldn't even and he couldn't get a job in the career field that he had been doing for six years. Uh, but she, uh, after they uh, came back when, with the report, the Department of Veteran Affairs said that based upon the incident, they were not going to uh, help pay for this young man's burial. And so not only did this woman lose her son, now she's stuck you know, with the bill. Like, okay, now you have to figure out and do all this stuff. And it just wasn't right. So uh, I initially, I saw the story and I was like, man, that's a, that's a shame. And I have a friend who works at a nonprofit, and we since we both like we're in the same field, she was like, Jerome, I need your help. I need you to do something about this. I know this family. Can you please help?" I was like, "Yo, the VA has came down and said that no one can do anything. That they're not going to do anything about this, which means no organization is going to step up and that's in the nonprofit field that's getting funding from the VA because most of these." Uh, Nonprofits are getting funding from the VA are going to step up and do anything about this. And she was like, I know, but I know that you are like crazy enough that you can do something about this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> let, me, um, let me get permission from the family. Let me see what I can do. I got the mother's permission. And what we did was I used my digital skills and I, I was learning a lot about marketing, but I was also learning a heck of a lot about code. I was like obsessed with code. My wife would get mad at me because <laughs> I was staying up late programming and then waking up in the morning programming. She was like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, I am conquering the world. And you just don't know it yet. And uh, we did this uh, Kickstarter and this digital marketing campaign. I made a website. I did all these cool little integrations. And I did a, about an hour. Uh, come to think of it, it's probably based on my current work. Back then it was probably horrible, but um, we were able to help that family and in 24 hours we raised $27,000. Wow. And yeah, we were able, like this was like uh, just guerrilla marketing and just being able to, within a, like, so it was just so cool like how we did it and we did all online, no paper, no waste, nothing. And uh, we were able to do that and we were able to do it in a manner to where we had a uh, they were able to uh, bury him, but they were also able to start a uh, fund for his daughter, who had just earned, turned one. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she has an education fund to help her so she can, um, when she gets older and she goes to college, gets ready for college, that'd be 
there for her. Um, and that's when we were at this point, like I was looking at like my one of my boys and he's now my COO, uh, Lex uh, Brown. I was like, I don't, I just can't, we can't come back from this. <laughs> like you right. just can't do something like this and be like, well, you know what? We're going to be, we're going to go back into the shadows now. See you guys next week. So that's how our organization was born. So that's the thing that I find very interesting. You made a point earlier about the stigma of vets. And I think the the great thing about learning to code is it's it's very much, well, more so than other careers, I think. It is very much about the work itself and about the code. And you can prove to people relatively easily with you know showing them a github repo showing them your your you know your code and your projects you can prove your skills a lot easier than you know in other careers and so it was very surprising to hear about the stigma of being a vet because i always thought that being a vet was something that was very well respected and where does that stigma i guess come from and how do you battle that is that part of the the, you know the advocacy work is that is that part of the work that you all do in the organization well, the stigma comes from what is called the military-civilian uh, divide. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the general populace. It has everything to do with middle management and, in, in particular, HR managers. Uh, the average person in America is somewhere between one to two generations removed from a person who's actively served in the military. Uh, and as a result, only thing you know about the military is what you see on TV. So when you think of an enlisted troop, all you think of is a person that can follow orders instead of thinking of a person who can uh, think critically, who can problem solve, who, you know, in the military of uh, 1990 is nowhere near the same way that the military of today is. Uh, everybody is a leader, even at the lowest level. Even if you don't have anybody underneath you to lead, you're still a leader. You're still expected to think critically. We believe in the total person concept in the military where you, there's a totality to the training. Like, uh, there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of jobs in uh, the civilian sector that takes your volunteering into account to your performance report. Like, that's what it is into when it's like being in the military. How you, how you affect your community is taken into like how well you do your job because that's part of your job is to make the world a better place on all fronts. You know that you're supposed to be adequate in doing your job, but you're also supposed to make the world a better place. And when it comes to critical thinking and problem solving, well, that's a very like, even from the most basic level of a job to the most sophisticated job, everybody has to problem solve. Even if you're in a, if you're in a combat career field or if you're in a non-combat career field, you still have to, you know, problem solve. It's, it's always there. So that's one of the things that we, a lot of organizations are working on, working against. They're trying to change the narrative, like how we're represented in movies and things of that nature. And they're trying to educate uh, HR managers. But what we do, uh, we take a totally different approach to it. We take uh, in our uh, in our uh, Slack. You ask anybody about what's the motto here? It's skills pay the bills. And so yeah. <laughs> So that's what we say. And so what that means is like if you are working hard and you're going to and you're like focusing on those skills, and you're evangelizing those skills and you're like coming obsessed because I tell them like straight up, you, I am obsessed about my skill set. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning just to make sure I get tw at least 20 minutes by myself to wow. uh, make myself a better person and skills. I read uh, one chapter of a book a day, every day. I go to the gym every day. 
I, I do this because I'm like, I want to lead by example. I want to lead by uh, showing you what to do. Like, you know, there are some things that I fall short on. I tell them quite honestly, I hate eating right. I don't believe that. <laughs> I've never heard someone just explicitly say that. I'm sure we all feel that way. That's the first time I've heard someone say just, you know, I just, I, I don't like eating well. Well, it, it's easier. It's easier to just be upfront about it and lie about it. Like your doctor asked me, uh, how's your diet? I'm like, you know what? It's crap. Just go ahead. <laughs> Skip that question. Don't. Uh... Next question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like that's, you know, and that's, I live, I live my truth. I tell them this is what I do and this is what you should do. And then I'm doing it. And so no one has an excuse of, well, he said, do this, do this. It's all hard. Well, no, he's been doing that every day for three, four years. So you should be doing that too. So you've successfully made the transition, right, from the Air Force to a full-stack developer. So the stigma that you mentioned and talked about and the difficulty of that transition, how was that transition for you? Um, it, it, was, it was extremely difficult, uh, first and foremost, because of the military-civilian divide, and I ended up getting out of the military during the time of the recession, which wasn't fun for anyone but was even less fun for those of us who were getting out the military and realizing that there were no jobs, and we, we have no job and no network, and there's a civilian divide where people think the only thing you are able to do is either put rounds down range or uh, do menial tasks. It's really, really bad. So I had to, literally from the time I was out the military to now, I've all, that's why, I think I, that's why I'm so obsessive when it comes to skills, because what I've realized and what I've learned in my lifestyle that if people like you or don't like you, that's unimportant. But if you can do the work and you're capable, then the, the right people are gonna find you. Uh, for instance, like our nonprofit uh, was on the Gary Vee podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, very nice. Yeah, with uh, Bob Knight and Gary Vee asked questions. Uh, we also uh, we also got to ask them a question. They were answering questions uh, for our various uh, Nonprofits, and we were selected. And people don't know that uh, the story between how I end up getting involved with, like, how Gary Vee even had me on his radar. And it was actually through like a regular, normal practice that we do at Vetsuko is that we apply for jobs and we beat everybody out on the jobs, and then we turn around the jobs and we pitch the HR manager about Vetsuko. Mm. That's been our number one, like, that's how we've gotten half of our partners. That's how we've gotten, yeah, you know, people don't think about it like that. Like, you know what, it's huh. easier to say, build relationships and pitch and stuff like that. But when you have the executive director or something come in there and beat your, like, number one or your number two or number three, uh, beat all these people for the, who are candidates for your job, and he's able to do the work. And he's like, well, I'm not going to do it. But what I will do is I will love to make a, a relationship with you based upon what you've seen that I can do today. Let you know I'm training veterans to be able to do what I can do every day. Ah, and so I have smart. the people, or right behind, and I have people who do that every day. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why we say skills pay the bills. Uh, that's how <laughs> Gary Vee uh, found out about us was that I applied for his uh, data engineer position. And the guy really, really liked me. And he like wanted to take it to the next level. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that, but this is what I do. And he was like, he laughed. He was like, wow, that's really cool. And uh, <laughs> he was like, wow. Like, 
oh my goodness, man. Uh, like, cause people think, it's funny because people think that people are going to be pissed off about that, but actually they're not. I was going to say, yeah. No, yeah. for them, it's really unique and innovative. Like you taking this time out to prove a point and to share with us like something that we didn't even think about. Like, cause you know, I'm, I'm, every time I do that, I'm destroying a, st a stereotype. Like it, it may be there, may be there subconsciously. It may not even be there, but I'm eradicating a stigma because, you know, first it's a diversity issue, then it's a military issue. So now I'm killing two birds on one stone. Like, yes, I'm a, a combat veteran. Yes, I'm African-American male. And yes, I can do this job. I can do this job better than anybody. And no, I'm not going to take your job. But what I am going to let you know is that I can uh, give you a normal supply, a nice, healthy supply of people who can do this job. And I don't even professionally code in Python. And I was able to do that. Uh, so he was like, well, let me share your story to some of the guys and we'll go from there. And like two weeks later, I ended up getting a random tweet about, hey, we're, like to, we're doing a nonprofit episode. We love you guys fielded the question. It's like, oh, snap, cool. Uh, when do you need it <laughs> by? Yeah, like, I was like, when do you need it by? I was like, oh, we need it by tomorrow. I was like, damn, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a quick turnaround. <laughs> so we did that and it was awesome. And um, our metrics, like we were actually going to change from Frago to Vetsu uh, Code Memorial Day. But because of that, we ended up having to do this really big push. Because uh, we were like, oh, we're going to be on Gary Vee. Uh, we won't have to spend any money on a, uh, what is it called? Because we, we, I don't know what it's called because we didn't have to do it. Oh, a brand, a lunch <laughs> or a relaunch. That's what it is. We didn't have to do a brand launch. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have to do a lunch party at all because, you know, we just introduced the brand through Gary Vee and wrote his uh, celebrity stardom all the way to uh, the bank. So we considered it a success based upon our metrics and like, like you know, we spent no money for that. Uh, <laughs> so like, that's how we, it was a success. And then people were like, oh, you guys rebranded? You guys did all this stuff? Like, yeah, it had been in the works since January. We were waiting till Memorial Day weekend, but this happened, so we had to adapt. And that's what you're getting with veterans. You're getting like a really, when you get in with veterans, it's like a really tactical thinker. Well, it's clear that you are doing just really, really great work with Vetsu Code. And so I'm, I'm assuming people listening are very excited and probably want to help you and contribute and be a part of your mission. So how can they do that? Uh, well, we are, like I said, we're 501c3. We have our um, we have our donate buttons on our website and also on our Facebook page. <laughs> Go and donate right there. There's a couple of them, too. Yes, and we have uh, we also we also just have our apparel made. We're excited about that. Uh, give us about like today we finalized our bot, which is cool. So we're going to be instead of doing the whole let's set up a Shopify or add another page to sh uh, so that way people can like buy our shirts and our uh, notebooks and our military coins. And uh, we were like, you know what? Let's just do a um, messenger bot like the cool kids are doing now and set that up and it like it was really easy really fun and that so where once we get our military coins they should be here in about a week we'll make that bot live and you'll be able to go through facebook messenger and you know and buy a shirt buy a notebook buy a military nice. coin or buy all three and you know and that's why we love <laughs> technology because like something as simple as javascript solved this problem, you know, because it was so funny how we got to this uh, decision of uh, using Messenger. My C, our CDO, 
wanted us to use the email to sell um, for shirt sales, for apparel sales, and our COO wanted us to use a Shopify uh, store to sell apparel. And I thought Shopify was too much, like that's too big for what we're doing. We're only doing three or four things. Maybe if we expand, but right now that doesn't make any sense. Versus uh, the email, I was like, who's gonna, I mean, somebody's gonna have to man that all the time, answer questions, that's too much work uh, for something so small. And then I saw this, I was like, oh, like, you know, Zuckerberg, the new genius on the block, uh, has created messenger bots so we can do this. So let me test this out. I bought my wife some flowers through Facebook Messenger. They showed up at her job. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so it works. Uh, that's cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd have been upset if 1-800-Flowers did not get her flowers there because she'd been looking at me like, what's going on? Who did you buy flowers for that I did not get? Uh, <laughs> I love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> so like, that's uh, like a big shout out to my wife. I know I'm not supposed to do that, but big shout out to my wife. Like, she's the person that keeps me um, on my best behavior 70% of the time. Uh, and without her, I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff that I do now. Um, but once I saw that worked, I was like, okay, so let me build this out. Let me do a couple of beta tests. Oh, it works. Like the pictures show up and everything. So now, like, that's what we're waiting on. Like, waiting on our military coins, and then we're going to make that bad boy alive. And then you're like, oh, you can go straight through there. You're already using it, so you don't have to... Uh, go through any extra hard work to try to figure out, go to a website, like just go to our Facebook page, go in your messenger, get our bot, pay our bot, we'll nice. send you stuff. There you go. Follow us on Twitter. We love it. We, we love to talk to you guys what on Twitter. What is your Twitter? Uh, Vetsucode.io. I mean, I'm sorry, Vetsucode is our, our Twitter, but mine is Jerome Hardaway. Follow me on uh, Twitter. I love uh, going to the uh, Code Newbie Twitter chats. Just like it's funny because it drains your battery so much because I'm on there and <laughs> like everybody's talking and like basically I have a set for if anybody says anything about code newbies I'm like it comes to my phone and yes. it's like oh man like it, this is this is getting lit I want to uh, I'm gonna be a part of this <laughs> so like I try to tell people and all do oh, uh, and all do respect like I am not an old person I'm like not even thirty yet so. <laughs> Like, if you're going to hear, like, a lot of urban cool kid stuff from me, because I think I am a cool kid. If not, my, my kid <laughs> tells me I'm not a cool kid, but I try. Uh, so that's... Uh, he don't that's, know. Yeah, he don't know. <laughs> so, but that's uh, us. Follow us and, you know, talk. Let's, uh, let's have fun. Yeah, and we'll have those links on the website as well. So it's vetswhocode.io, so you can... Go there, see all the awesome work they're doing. You can donate. You can buy stuff on Facebook. So lots of different great ways to support. So next, let's do some fill in the blanks. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, worst advice I've ever received is? Worst advice I ever received is to play the game. I think that's the worst advice I have ever received in my life. Um, and the, what that means is I'm pretty sure someone's told us, like, go along with the flow and do what other people are doing so you can have at least some measure of success or um, security. And um, I tell people all the time, uh, as a veteran who's lost friends in service, uh, I owe it to them to live life to the fullest and to do the best things that I can and to not play the game, but to uh, prevail and do and, you know, have a happy, joyful life that, that they can't have. I owe it to them to be able to enjoy life. So 
Um, don't play the game. Go out there, uh, take charge, take some names, kick some butt. Uh, apologize to the people that you hurt inadvertently, but those who uh, try to stop you from achieving your goals, um, you know, adapt, overcome, and like run those guys over. Don't figuratively, don't literally mm -hmm. run those guys over because. You do not. Yeah. No. Don't say that. Don't say I told you because I'm going to deny it. <laughs> we are not responsible for any running over of individuals. There you go. <laughs> Number two, my first coding project was about. My first coding project was a profile page for the nonprofit I got hired at. Uh, their website was horrific, hadn't been updated since like. <laughs> 1998 and mind you this was like 2011 so uh they it was really bad like if you think about it like that like there was things that we were i was like what is this this is horrible so i spent three months even though i was in the marketing uh, position three months of like building this site and doing things based upon how i thought it would um how it was supposed to look and adding new features and things of that nature. So, cause I'd always been trying to look at project, looking at projects and playing with code. And when they, you know, someone happened to mention, oh yeah, drone likes this stuff. And I, they were like, okay, well, here you go. Fix this, make it better. Cause it's really bad. And it was really bad and I did my best to fix it. But that was my first coding project. It was painful. It was a lot of late nights. I learned a lot. I mean, very few people get the opportunity to like have their first project go live and I am, you know, but I, you know, don't do what I do because I have a, I'm very risk, I'm not risk adverse at all. I, I like taking really big chances and doing really crazy things. I would not recommend that to people unless you really like that, but I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So don't do, <laughs> like, don't follow my lead on that. Like by all means, practice, start baby steps, uh, you know, work on your JavaScript calculator, work on um, mastering a language before you're learning a language. Like, you know, a lot of people, they know how to use a language, but they don't know a language like intimately and like know it like that because what that, that makes it just so much easier for you to learn e uh, other languages. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And that's like, that's uh, my first code project was a live site. And that was insane. I, I can't believe it. Like that was the worst, like, executive decision that guy ever made like oh let this <laughs> let this dumb but it was kid. great for you yeah it was great for me but bad for him i'm like I, I did it but it was still stupid like i would never have a person that was like no experience touch my website <laughs> 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 number three one thing i wish i knew when i first started to code is one thing i wish i knew when i first started to code was about mozilla uh, in the end, I wish I knew about that when I first oh, started great programming. Resource. Like, oh, yes, yeah, I spent so much money on resources about JavaScript. And then I find this bad boy one day that an eloquent JavaScript.net. Uh, and I'm like, you really tell me that the Holy Grail is right here the whole time? The whole time? The whole time. <laughs> I'm like, I spent like 300 bucks on books in JavaScript and I'm going through here. I don't understand what half these people are saying. Uh, and here it is spoken plainly in the, you know, the JavaScript, the JavaScript is readable. I think that's another tip. 
um, I like to give people, don't write JavaScript for you. Write JavaScript for the guy after you. We tell that to our guys all the time. Like, imagine that whatever code that you're writing, that you're going to have to one day release that code and never touch it again. And the person that's going to come behind you is a serial killer and knows where your family lives. So don't <laughs> write code for you. Write code so it's nice and pretty. Comment it reasonably. Yep. Uh, I say I emphasize reasonably because some people like to go comment crazy and that affects SEO uh, and that upsets businesses. You don't want to do that. Um, but write like you can write your code so it's readable. Write it to the level that a third grader read it. Make it plain and just uh, make it work, but make it easy to read. And you it'll give a lot. Um, you'll become better, uh, a much better programmer for it. So, but that's a. Uh, I think that's the one resource that I wish I had known about. Like, there should be like, I wish it was like a billboard or an airplane flying by that would have said, "Hey, yo, go to Mozilla." Uh, <laughs> like, so that's my favorite resource. So. Yeah, we actually had someone from the technical writing team who does a lot of uh, of the tutorials and the explanations and the guides and all that on the show a couple weeks ago. So definitely check out that episode too. Roger that. Well, let that guy, let that person know that uh, he needs to let his uh, his superior or her superior. I don't remember. I don't don't know if it was his, Chris Mills. Or her. Yeah. All right. So mm -hmm. it's his. Uh, he awesome. Let him know that he needs to let his superior hear this, and then he needs a raise. Like that is by far. <laughs> like literally, your resources. That resource we share with every veteran. Uh, mm -hmm. It's one of the things when it comes to JavaScript we share. You have helped at least uh, 30 guys since we've been wow. sharing it with our people uh, get jobs because you're like one, that's one of the biggest resources that eloquent JavaScript, uh, try to keep them from stack overflow at all costs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else do we use to help our guys a lot to like learn on their own uh, that isn't partner given? I'm trying to think there's, I know eloquent and uh Eloquent and MDN is one of, is two of the big things, but yeah, Eloquent is a, a favorite one in the Kenobi community for sure. Because yeah. it's it's just it's so well written, like mm -hmm. oh man, it's Eloquent. Yes, <laughs> it's, you know what Eloquent Java. Funny thing is that Eloquent Ruby is uh, a book out there as well, but it's oh. nowhere near as well written as Eloquent JavaScript. They just is it written by the same team? It's written by the team. No, it's written by a guy who who does the Ruby way. Uh, okay. And then he does, uh, I guess he does some O'Reilly books. And we're speaking of that, like another real, really great resource out there is Ruby the Hard Way online. Oh, they yeah. have the uh, <laughs> .org and where they have the books for Python and Ruby on there. Awesome. Yeah, and we had Zed Shaw on very early. I think it was earlier last year. We had him on to talk about that. He's absolutely amazing and. The Hardaway series in general, it's a very, very big yes. series. Tell him to make a book with, for JavaScript. I will, <laughs> oh man, I will start the petition, the Kickstarter, whatever you want. Like that <laughs> book will like that, like, oh, if he did a JavaScript the hard way, that thing will fly off the shelves. Like, I believe you. I would buy I three. <laughs> just for you. Yes, just for just me. For I'm you. like, you know what? I might lose one. Other one might get ruined. My kid might mm -hmm. spill something on it. So I'm going to buy three just in case. <laughs> So this kind of goes right nicely into shout outs. Do you have a couple of shout outs for us? Uh, shout outs. Uh, first and foremost, I always like to shout out uh, my team, my guys. Uh, thank you for helping me help veterans. 
Uh, second shout out, uh, we're going to be in New York soon on uh, November 11th, a couple months from now, and we're going to be doing a huge fundraiser hackathon party called Code in the Dark. But it will be a unique spin on it because it'll be me versus the uh, executive director, David Molina of uh, Operation Code. So you have an Army, uh, Army infantry officer versus an uh, Air Force veteran, a uh, security forces veteran going toe-to-toe -to -toe in a front-end uh, web development battle. And we're going to have like a bunch of, but you, there'll be a bunch of other people able to sign up and there'll be drinks and food. We're going to have a great time. Uh, and there are always going to be more info, so check up on our Twitter for that regularly. Uh, and uh, let's see. Another big shout out, I guess, would do Cloud9. I really think that is a resource that is like, having gone in, from, to a code school and seeing the, how people struggle using Ubuntu and see like that, well, everybody uses a Mac, so if you don't have a Mac, you're kind of left in the wild on your own. Uh, I think like Cloud9 is the answer to a lot of that. And you know, from this point, like I think all the code schools should be like, you know what, everybody use Cloud9. We're gonna do this so everybody's on the same environment and it's just a tr trustworthy when it comes to the workflow. And like that's what we use online. We use Cloud9, GitHub, and Waffle.io. And we're able to track our students' GitHubs and we're able to do all this cool stuff just from Cloud9. I think that, you know, if more people used it, we would get better uh, software developers as well. Because, you know, the first rule, uh, one of the first rules in Pragmatic Programmer is uh, learn, uh, find an editor and learn it well. And I think for learning how to uh, learning how to program, Cloud9 is really good for uh, for that. Uh, my second favorite editor is Atom. So uh, no shameless plug there, GitHub, but I absolutely love that uh, editor. But I think Cloud9 really does it for people. Yeah, yeah, we've heard good things about Cloud9 from our community too. So I have. Two personal shout outs. One is, uh, you know, I was looking into other resources and other things I may not have heard of that are specific to helping vets. And I came across a really great article from Course Report that's called Coding Bootcamp Veteran Scholarships. And it's a list of different boot camps, different scholarships, and how much they offer and where they are. And so if you're a vet or you know a vet, that might be a good place to start to uh, for people who are interested in the coding boot camps side of doing things and looking for a way to fund that. Another one is one that you actually already talked about, which is Operation Code. So they do a lot of really good work around veterans as well. They offer coding scholarships and mentorships and employer services and advocacy. I think they also have their own consultancy too, where they, you know, where you can hire vet coders who, um, you know, can code and build you great stuff. And uh, in that way, you know, offering work and opportunity and uh, careers to that really, really important group of people. So definitely check out Operation Code uh, and, and get involved. If you want to join the conversation, you can join us on Code Newbie Discourse, our online forum for people excited about code. Or you can chat with us every week on the Code Newbie Twitter chat. Just search for hashtag Code Newbie and tweet with us every Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can learn more about that as well as show notes on this episode at CodeNewbie.org slash podcast. If there's a guest you want to hear from or a topic you want to hear about, send us an email, hello at CodeNewbie.org. Thank you again, Jerome, so much for joining us. You want to say goodbye? All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next week.